Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. You never know quite what to expect when Jesus shows up at a dinner party. At some point or another in the Gospels, we see it all. Pointed parables, memorable miracles, expensive perfume used as foot wash, prostitutes, tax collectors, and Pharisees all mingled together as rather uncomfortable table fellows. Jesus holds nothing back, unbeholden to the social niceties that bind so many of us. You can almost hear his disciples thinking, okay, Jesus, nothing awkward this time, all right? Our gospel passage today tells us of Jesus' actions at a Pharisee's house on his journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. It's the Sabbath, and at the table, Jesus has just finished healing a man of dropsy, that is, of swelling of his internal organs. He has silenced his host's rule-following instincts by pointing out that they're perfectly comfortable taking care of their animals on the Sabbath. Why should healing a human be any different? Next, we get the commentary on dinner parties that Janet has just read for us. He speaks first to guests, chastising them for taking the better seats at the table. It's a risky venture, he points out, because if someone more important comes in, the host isn't going to hesitate to give them your seat. But if you act with humility instead and take the lower seat, then maybe you'll end up getting moved up by the host. Then he addressed his host and kind of by extension all dinner party hosts. If you only invite the people on your normal dinner party circuit, knowing full well that you'll have a reciprocal invitation on the next Sabbath, you're not really scoring any points in the long term. To get a heavenly reward, you need to invite people who are poorer than you are and have no real ability to repay you. This is a face value reading of this passage. But there are two things here that are unsettling to me. First, why is Jesus giving advice about dinner parties at all? Is this a New Testament version of Emily Post? Second, why does this advice seem so self-serving? Are we really supposed to sit in the less desirable seats in some sort of passive-aggressive attempt to get moved up in front of everybody else? Or if we're only inviting the poor, the crippled, and the blind out of some desire for future reward and not because they're real people who deserve to be treated with the same kindness as everybody else, is there any value in that? Basically, there has to be something more going on here than just 
good advice for dinner parties. What is Jesus pointing us to in this passage? I think that if we explore the idea of dinner parties, we might be able to see better what's actually going on here. Dinner parties have captured the imaginations of people for literally thousands of years. The ancient Greeks and Romans used to gather for parties called symposia, where they would talk about philosophy and read poetry and drink wine and eat food all night long. If you Google dinner parties in film or literature, you'll come up with a myriad of articles describing the best scenes of all time. I think that dinner parties capture our imagination because they bring out the best and the worst of humanity. In their ideal, they represent the depths of trust and community. At a dinner party, we meet out of a common need for sustenance. And while we're meeting that need for ourselves, we deepen our social and emotional ties. Sounds great, right? But the problem is, when we come together, we bring all the aspects of ourselves that are broken and needy. We can't just leave that behind. So when we arrive at the party, often, instead of finding great community, deep conversation, renewed relationships, we actually become much more aware of our own and others' brokenness. Take the dinner party that opens the classic novel, The Great Gatsby, for instance. The protagonist, Nick, is new to Long Island, and his cousin Daisy and her husband Tom, who's a friend of Nick's from college, lives, they live nearby in a beautiful mansion. He goes over there for dinner, but through the course of the evening, sees subtle and not so subtle hints that their lives are very broken. There are Tom's approving comments about the latest book on scientific racism. There's the bruise on Daisy's pinky that Tom gave her, but not on purpose. There's the mysterious phone call for Tom, apparently from his lover in New York City. All the glamour and money in the world cannot hide the reality of lives and relationships damaged by sin. And this is so true of us as well. We show up to a dinner party hoping for connection and community. But then we get there and are so deeply aware of humanity's brokenness. Maybe it's a struggle with body image, and no matter how good the food tastes, you can't swallow without thinking about the calories. Or maybe you're the only guest in recovery, and thus the only one not refilling your wine glass over and over again. Or maybe you're single, and being there only serves to remind you that you're the fifth wheel or the seventh wheel. 
Or maybe you're married, but the other smiling couples just remind you that it's been a long, long time since you and your spouse laughed together at home. And this is why what Jesus is getting at here must be more than simply good advice. Because while it is a good idea as a guest to select a seat with humility and as a host to consider those less fortunate than yourself, doing these things can't actually address the essential brokenness of your human nature you're still going to show up to the party with all of your sin and insecurities intact. So what if this little snapshot of dinner party advice is actually pointing us to something greater than ourselves? What if ultimately Jesus is pointing us to a dinner party where God is the host. Because what we are about to do up here when the sermon ends is a dinner party. We are here to celebrate the Eucharist, to break bread and drink wine as Jesus broke bread and drank wine with his disciples 2,000 years ago at the Last Supper. But what we gather to eat is not simply bread and wine. It is the host to the presence of Jesus. It is the outward and visible sign of the inward and spiritual grace which God so graciously bestows on us in Jesus' death and resurrection. And when God is the host of the dinner party, he only brings in people who can never hope to repay him. We are the blind, the crippled, and the poor, those who have absolutely nothing to offer God in return for the grace that we are about to receive in this meal. When we approach the table, recognizing our sin, we have no choice but to come expecting the least desirable seat. But then, when God sees us here, he's so excited about it that he runs down and says, no, don't sit down there. Sit up here next to me. This dinner party is for you. And the best part about this dinner party is that the food that we consume, the bread and the wine, is the very antidote for the sin and brokenness and insecurities that we bring with us. There is no need for us to worry about them because it is through receiving the bread and the wine that Jesus continues the process of healing and forgiveness begun at our baptism. So come to the table, come as you are, come in humility, aware of your sin, and come in confidence, 
expecting the bounty of God's grace because he longs to give it to you in the body and blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.